as we lay in the hand of and we glorify thy precious name. Bid your church, bid your church, Lord. Make us one, Lord. Be on our soul, Lord. Through your son, bid your tongue, Lord. In your body, in the kingdom of your son. And raising a people of power, you making a people of praise. As we live in this land of thy spirit, and we glorify thy precious name. Bid you, church, Lord, make us one, Lord, join our soul, Lord. Through your son, make us one, Lord, in your body, in the kingdom of your son. Hallelujah. Father, in the name of Jesus this morning, we know you are building a great church. You're building great people and our prayer this morning is that you make us strong and you make us one even in your body in the name of Jesus thank you for giving us the opportunity to be built by you the scripture says when the Lord built up Zion it shall appear in his glory. As you are building us, Lord, may we appear in your glory. In the name of Jesus, in our homes, our businesses, our vocation, in everything we do, we ask that you build us to the people you desire. For from before the foundation of the earth, it was your desire to make man in your image after your likeness so that they can reflect your nature. And therefore, this morning, as a church, we join the host of heaven that you make us strong. Make us strong, Lord. Build your church, Lord, and make us strong. You say you will build your church and the gate of hell will not prevail. Build your church in the name of Jesus. And let the name of God be glorified. If you believe that, say amen. amen. Hallelujah. You may be seated. You're welcome this morning. And I want to thank you for coming. And I bless God for the opportunity we have to share together this morning once again. It is an awesome thing to praise the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. This morning I want to speak on uh, the key word is going to be um, relationship and reconciliation. Relationship and reconciliation. I want to talk about something that I think is core in the heart of God. Um, and the challenge this morning to every one of us is, are we concerned about that which concerns God? Is God's value our value? Do we value what God values? So I want to talk on relationship and reconciliation. And I'm going to probably give a subtitle to this morning conversation and by way of the scripture and say, where is Abel, your brother? Where is Abel, your brother? The broad topic I want to have conversation about is about relationship and reconciliation. But I want to title this morning conversation as, where is Abel, your brother? Last time we had a conversation, we talked about Cain 
And we'll talk about the story of how God admonishes us not to allow the foothold of anger in our lives. And we talk about Cain. We talk about how he killed Abel, his brother. And we talk about the consequences of allowing anger to have a foothold in our lives. I was thinking I'll be talking about the second thing that I meant to discuss with us today, which is pride. As those two things are very critical. Anger and pride that God wants us to ensure we master. And, um, but I think we do that at some other time. So God is laying my heart for us to talk about relationship. Haven't touched on the family, the first family on earth, which is the family of Adam, where we have Adam, Eve, Cain, and Abel. So I want to Begin by asking that question that God asks Cain in Genesis chapter 4. So where is Abel thy brother? Where is Abel your brother? Hallelujah. There are very few occasions where God asks human beings questions in the scriptures. There are not so many. You can do your due diligence. And just search the scriptures. But I want to piggyback on the uh, first question. Which was to Cain's father. In Genesis chapter 3. Um, where God asked Adam. Or called Adam and said, Adam, where are you? Where are you? Uh, but when it came to Cain, when God was asking the question, he said, where is your brother? Abel, your brother. Amen? And I think it would be nice for us to, to establish some key points. Again, I want to help us to astray and focus on Something that is so critical in the mind of God, which is relationship. Right from the beginning, it was clear that God is concerned and value relationship. And so what we want to glean is what is our value system? When we measure relationship, how do we see relationship? How do we value relationship? Because until God helps us to value what he values, it is going to be very, very practically impossible to actually be who God wants us to be. He wants us to be him. Is that right? God values relationship more than anything in the earth. I know you will challenge that theology. But we'll look at the scriptures together quickly and see why will I submit that. But I want to first address the question that God asks Adam in Genesis chapter 3. Go with me to Genesis chapter 3. And let's take care of the father first before we come to the son. So as to see, there may be some kind of interrelationship between how Adam answered God and how Cain answered God. In the question that God asked Adam, is he asking every human being today? The question that God asked Abel, is he asking you as you are sitting right now? Adam, where are you? And Cain, 
Where is Abel, your brother? Before we address that question, let me just clear this out of the way. God cherished relationship, values relationship. And the first one he valued is the relationship between him and you. He value and treasure it above everything else. And the second relationship that God values is the relationship between you and others. Are you with me so far? God places the highest priority and the highest value and the highest price on those two key relationships. Relationship between him and you and relationship between you and others. You with me so far? Hallelujah. So I want you to keep that behind your mind as we look at the question God asks Adam. In Genesis chapter 3 verse 8, the Bible says, When they heard the sound of God strolling in the garden in the evening breeze, the man and his wife hid in the trees of the garden. Hid from God. God called to the man, where are you? Now pay attention to Adam's answer. First, Adam and Eve were hiding on the thing that the creator created in order to hide from the creator. <laughs> God created the trees. And now they are hiding on the tree from the creator of the tree. How much hiding is that? That's much like Ikabu that the children do. I can see you. God can see through the tree because he created the tree. Why hide on the created things thinking you are hiding from the creator? First error. But God said, where are you? Now let's look at Adam's answer. He said, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid. I, hiding from God. I was, I heard your voice. And I was afraid. Because I told me I was naked. I therefore hid myself. Prior to this time, Adam and Eve have always been naked. But until I gave them a different identity of themselves, they never saw themselves but from the estuary of the eyes of God. I was the one that told Adam that he was naked. Seth. That deals with identity. Where are you? And Adam said, I has redefined my identity. I am now naked. 
God is still asking so many of us today, and I is still answering. Every identity crisis today for the children of God is coming as a result of not seeing ourselves the way God sees us. As long as our eyes begin to see from the eye perspective, from human perspective, from natural perspective, we will see ourselves or others the way God never intended. It was still the same Adam. But now, the flesh is redefining for him his identity. And he is buying it. Because he said he is naked. And look at why that is critical. God said, who told you you were naked? Who said a thing and it come to pass when the law has not commanded it? I didn't say you were naked. I have not told you you were naked. Because they've been naked all this while. Prayer to eating the fruit, the forbidden fruit. That's why God is asking now, who told you you were naked? Who told you you cannot make it? Who told you you are not good enough? Who told you you are not my child? Who told you you are a sinner? Who told you? Who told you? Who told you? It was I. We have to learn how not to listen to I. Because everything that the I will tell you will be contrary, diametrically opposed to what God is telling us. So the lesson we need to learn is God is trying to tell Adam, are you taking instruction from someone else now? Is someone else now talking to you? Because I never said you were naked, even though you were not having anything on. How come? Why are you saying you are naked? Who told you that? Amen? It was I. Hallelujah. The second question God asked, said, or the next question, did you eat from that three I told you not to eat from? The simple answer should be yes or no. Now, this is our character, our choice, our wrongdoings. Did you do what I asked you not to do? Said the woman you gave me. It was the woman you gave me. The woman you gave to be with me. Abdication of responsibility. Our identity, we must refuse for I to define our identity. And our characters and our choices, we must learn to take responsibility for them. Not excuse them away. Did you eat from the fruit I told you not to eat from? Yes, Lord, I did. It was a mistake. Instead, he excused it. So God is still asking today. Every time if we do anything God is not happy about, he is still asking, did you do what I asked you not to do? And do you know we are still excusing it away today? Our answer is still in line with that of our ancestor. We always have a perfect excuse to be angry. We always have a perfect excuse to continue to be in anger. We always have a perfect excuse to be proud. We continue in the line of Adam. The way he answered God. He excused it away. God asked Eve, let's check with the woman. And he said, uh, 
God said to the woman, what is this that you have done? <laughs> Same thing. He was taken out of Adam. What do we expect? He said, the serpent beguiled me. Our identity is defined by God. We should not allow Seth or anyone else to define it for us. Our character, our doing, our choices is our responsibility. No one else is making those choices. It is not that brother or that sister and it is not the devil. Because today, either of those things are, are excuses. Anything or any time we're not walking in line with God's principle, what God is saying, it is either we are excusing it away because of brothers or sister, or we are saying, oh, it's the devil. It's Satan. It's, it's just, it's Satan. Hallelujah. But your choices are your responsibility. Satan, the devil, that brother, that sister, has nothing to do with it. And so in order for us to understand relationship and to walk perfectly before God, we need to learn from our great-grandparents. That is the father, Adam. And let's go to the son. In Genesis chapter 4, when God spoke to Cain, God spoke to Cain, why this tantrum? Why this sucking? If you do well, won't you be accepted? And if you don't do well, sin is lying in wait for you, ready to pounce. It is out to get you. You've got to master it. Cain had words with his brother. They were out in the field, and Cain came, and Abel came, and Cain came at Abel, his brother, and killed him. And God said to Cain, where is Abel, your brother? And look at Cain's answer. Like father, like son. How should I know? Am I his babysitter? Am I my brother's keeper from King James Version? Again, just like his father is I. If God is asking, where is Abel thy brother? Of course, he knows you know. And he knows you know you are his keeper. Otherwise, God will not be asking you. Amen? And so, as God is also asking you this morning, where is Abel, your brother? What is your answer? What is your answer? And we're going to see Abel. We all have Abel. Every one of us. Your Abel may be the next person sitting right beside you. Maybe your son, your daughter, your brother, your sister, your co-worker. Abel, according to God's definition, is your brother. And you may be asking, I mean, who is my brother? And I'm glad you asked. And we will get there hopefully shortly. Because remember, let me tell you the story of the good Samaritan. We will read it. When that teacher came to Jesus, what should I do to have eternal life? And Jesus said, I mean, um, what is written in the commandment? How do you interpret it? And said, well, thou shalt love thy God with all thy heart, with all thy might, with all thy soul. So why are you... He said, you're right. He said, go and do likewise. And thou, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. So you said, right. Go do the same. Uh, he said, well, who, who is my neighbor? 
Amen? And God defined for us who our neighbor is. And that's our able. That's our brother. Amen? And we're going to look into that in a minute. But suffice it to say that even though Cain knows that God knows, he knows where his brother is at, but he's being evasive by asking the question that God already knows. Amen? So in those two questions, when God questioned Adam and when God questioned Cain, it was all about relationship. The first one between Adam and Eve was our relationship between, uh, our God's relationship with us. And the second one is about our neighbor. The relationship between our neighbors. The relationship between our brothers and sisters. That's what God painted to us in Genesis chapter 3 and Genesis chapter 4. Establishing the critical core of how God values relationship. God values his relationship with us. He is constantly checking to see if we are where we should be. If we are still in his presence. If we are still with him. In him. He is constantly checking because he has a vested interest in that. Because he deliberately made us in his likeness and in his image. So he's asking us every minute we step away from his presence. Or we are about stepping away. Where are you? And God wants us to begin to answer him. Pay attention when he is calling and asking, where are you? He's checking on that relationship between you and him. The Holy Spirit is doing that every second of the day. Never sleep, never slumber. Checking on us to see if we are in his presence. What is your answer? What is your excuse? What answer has, ha, I mean, have you been given? Or what answer will you give when next God asks, where are you? Or are you even listening? Are you hearing God asking? Or do you think this was just for Adam and he ended there? No, it was just a symbol of how God will operate with us. How God will constantly be checking on us. You know, in computer, uh, in IT, there's something they call the heartbeat. Every time there's a network, a, a connection between two things, each of those servers or networking device, whatever the device is, they have a way of checking on each other. It is called the heartbeat. And it's a traffic sent back and forth between two connections. Are you still there? Then you reply, yeah, I'm here. Are you still there? I'm here. Are you still there? I'm here. And any time there is no reply, there is a wait time. After a wait time period, if there is no reply, the server considers that client dead. It's no longer responding. So the connection is dead. There is no transmission between those two ends. God has a heartbeat between him and humanity. His name is the Holy Spirit. He's constantly checking, are you in his presence? Are you still with God? And if he is not getting any response, at some point, the heartbeat is going to stop. And he's going to be waiting for that response. Hallelujah. But I hope we will not excuse it away. Hallelujah. <laughs> I hope I'm not speaking too much parable. We'll break it down. Let's make it plain. How critical or how important is relationship to God? How will I submit to you that relationship is the most important thing to God? Why? What is the reason? 
Well, let me give you a few points. And I'm sure, you know, by the time we run through that, you should be convinced. And if you are not convinced, you know, let's talk after the service. And let's see if I can give more. Amen? I want to point us to the scriptures that actually show and proves that relationship is the most critical thing in the heart of God. God values relationship. And the price tag he was willing to pay will show what kind of value he plays on relationship. Because you know the value of a thing by the price. Is that right? Is that right? 18 karat gold is going to be more expensive than 4 karat gold or diamond. Right? Is that right? Am I saying it right? Okay. Number one reason that I want to share with us why it is imperative for us to pay attention to relationship and why God values relationship more than anything and why we should begin, like our father, begin to value relationship as God values relationship is the price that God paid to restore relationship with man. We just talked about Adam and Eve. When Adam ate the forbidden fruit, we know sin came into the world. And the relationship between man and God was severed. Do we know that? I mean, are we all in agreement that sin, what sin did was to damage the relationship between us and God? Is anyone? Okay, we're in agreement with that. It's in the scripture, otherwise I'll show us. Sin actually damaged the relationship between man and God. That's, that was the consequence of sin. That's what sin did. Now look at the price that God had to pay to restore relationship. That's what we see in, you know, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. God paid with his only begotten son to restore relationship with man. The sacrifice he paid was the highest in all of God's possession. His only begotten son, Jesus Christ, was nailed to the cross so as to restore the relationship between man and God. That should tell you what value relationship carries with God. If that doesn't tell you anything, I'm afraid we may have difficulties in helping us understand how God values relationship. Let me read First John. First John chapter 4, verse 7. First John chapter 4, verse 7. Let's start reading from First John chapter 4. From verse 7, my beloved friend, let us continue to love each other since love comes from God. Everyone who loves is born of God and experiences a relationship with God. The person who refuses to love doesn't know the first thing about God because God is love. So you cannot know him if you don't love since I mean, this is how God showed his love for us. God sent his only son into the world so we might live through him. This is the kind of love we are talking about. Not that we once upon a time loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice. Watch this. To clear away our sin and the damage they've done to our relationship with God. Sin, death, a blow on our relationship with God. So God, having valued that relationship more than anything, was willing to give away his only begotten son 
to restore that relationship. Now, what are you willing to give to restore relationship? Because as, as it appears, as God was willing to do that, to restore relationship between him and humanity, he's beg, beg, begging or maybe banking on us to emulate him. <laughs> what value or what price is higher than the relationship God placed in your heart, in your life? It's what God is telling us here. If I'm a child of God, if God values relationship to that degree where he was willing to sacrifice his only begotten son in order to restore that relationship, if it was ever broken, what value is too high for you and me to pay when a godly established relationship in our life is broken? That's the first thing I want us to ponder over this morning. He paid the highest price in order to restore the relationship between us and him. Amen? Number two. Why is relationship so valuable and precious to God? The price that God puts on our relationship with each other. <laughs> you know the value of a thing by the, by the price. Are, are we on the same page on that? Okay. The relationship between God and human being, the price he paid, demonstrates the value. His only begotten son, he sacrificed. That means there's no other value higher for God than relationship, than restoring that relationship with humanity. Number two, he paid a price in order for relationship between one another, for us to restore the relationship between one another, he paid another highest price. <laughs> Let me show that to us. Matthew. Matthew chapter 5. Let's see what Jesus taught us. Matthew 5, 24. Or actually from 23. This is how I want you to conduct yourself in these matters. If you enter your place of worship and about to make an offering, you suddenly remember a grudge. A friend has against you. Not you having a grudge against someone. A friend. You suddenly remember a grudge that a friend has against you. Abandon your offering. Tell your neighbor, God is not, doesn't care about your offering as much as relationship. Tell your neighbor. <laughs> God said, abandon your offering, the offering you brought to me. Because there's something of more value here. Live immediately. Go to this friend and make things right. Please, I'm not making this up. Between the offering that we bring to God, an offering could be worship, could be anything, and the relationship between a broken relationship between us and our family member or our friend, which one carries the highest value, sir? God said, abandon the offering. Abandon the sacrifice because there's something of higher priority. There's something of higher value. That broken relationship with your friend that you just remember, go fix it. Because the offering can wait. Relationship. If we don't begin to evaluate relationship the way God sees it, our word will continue in chaos. And the kingdom of God will continue to suffer losses. Home, we continue to be broken. 
Friendship will continue to be broken. Fellowship will not stand. Apprenticeship, every ship that there is in relationship will not hold. Until we begin to learn the value of relationship and see relationship from the eyes of God. Say, abandon the offering. Go fix that broken friendship. Do you, do you value your friendship like that? So do you think you can go fix a broken friendship and miss church? Do you think as a preacher, I should go fix a broken relationship than preach on the altar? Even if God had anointed me to wake the dead, God is saying, go fix that relationship first before you bring this offering to me. Because that relationship is more important to me than this offering you are offering. How many of us here today have broken relationship? And we raise holy hands unto God. We sing, we jump, we praise. And God is saying, there's something of more importance. Go fix that relationship. Abandon this offering. You know why there is trouble in our fellowship? We do not value the relationship. We do not have the same value that God has for that relationship. He said, let every measure be measured according to the shekel of the sanctuary. What value are you using to measure the value of your relationships? Is it according to the shekel of the sanctuary? Why did God value relationships so much between us and him and between our friends, us and us? God is saying, I place a higher value on that relationship than anything else. So rather than, you know, begin to paint the picture of your pastoral dexterity, I would rather you fix that relationship first. It's not saying, don't bring offering. No. It's helping us to reprioritize. It's helping us to see what carries more value to him. What should be done first. Hallelujah. Bow your head and pray. I want us to talk to God this moment. Is there a broken fellowship that you have not fixed? Is there a broken friendship that you have not fixed? A broken partnership, business partner, apprenticeship, Discipleship or courtship. Any ship that is carrying relations that is broken. I want you to talk to God this hour and tell God, I heard you. I prioritize this and I want to fix it. And send the Holy Spirit ahead to help you. As you plan to fix it. Agree with him. That's all. Just agree with God. That I value relationship the way you value it. And I want to go fix this. Holy Spirit. Go ahead. Prepare the ground. Prepare the way for me. I want this fixed right away. I cannot wait any longer. In the name of Jesus we have prayed. I said I was going to give several, but uh, looking at time, I think I have just one more minute. Maybe I can give one more.
Hallelujah. Um, we probably won't have enough time, but let me just say, the Lord Jesus Christ revealed how God prioritized healthy relationship in all his earthly ministry. As, as soon as Jesus began his ministry, he established relationship with what we call the apostles or the, the disciples. There are 12 of them. And if you list them, you begin to see there is none of them that was perfect. But the Bible said he loved them to the very end. Peter was there on the list, the man who betrayed him. Judas was on that list, who actually... I mean, Peter, the one who denied him, and Judas, the one who betrayed him, was on that list. Thomas, who never believed, doubting Thomas was on that list. Nathaniel, the man who said, can anything good come out of Nazareth, was on that list. Study how Jesus relates with all these people. Imperfect. People. Why? Because Jesus has seen the Father value relationship more than anything else. He learned from the Father and he acted it out here on earth for us to see. And time will not permit us to go read Matthew chapter 5 from verse 13, but you can read that when you get home. Just read Matthew 5, 13 through 16 as well. As one of those things or those points where we see God prioritize relationship more than anything else. Amen? Let me give us one more. Why do you think Satan is always out to destroy relationship if it was not the most important thing to God? Hello? Why is Satan after relationships? Why is Satan destroying every good friendship or out to destroy every good friendship? Why is Satan out to destroy every good family? Why is Satan out to destroy every good home? Why is Satan out to destroy every good business relationship? Satan knows how critical and how important relationship is to God. And he is laser focused ever shooting his best missile to destroy everywhere there is relationship. That should tell you the heaven knows and hell knows that relationship is critical in God's agenda. The question this morning is, do you know? If so, where is Abel? brother. Let's rise on our feet. If relationship is as important to God and is important to you, this morning, the question is, where is Abel, your brother? I want us to bow our head and talk to God. And I want us to pray this time now for each other. Let's pray for one another. That God will help my brother, my sister, to understand my value and my relationship with him. And with God. And pray for the other person. God will open his eyes or her eyes to perceive and to understand the value and how God values the relationship between you two and that of God. 
and that God will help him or her to prioritize and place that priority where it belongs moving forward. And let's see how God move. Move into our homes. Move into our businesses. Move into our places of work. Move into everywhere and begin to rock his miracles. As we value the relationship between our co-workers and ourselves. As we begin to reevaluate and value the relationship between us and our bosses. Value the relationship between us and those nagging friends. And prioritize those relationships between those members of our families. The relationship begins in our families. How much value do you place on that relationship in your family? What will you give or what will you not give to ensure that relationship is where God wants it to be? What price is too high to pay in order to ensure that that relationship in your home, in your businesses, in everywhere that God has placed his men around you, what price is too high to pay in order to ensure that relationship is healthy and it is where God wants it to be? Lord, we rely on you. We depend on you to help us. See the way you see. Evaluate the way you evaluate and make things right. As we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.